0: Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 133. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. From high atop the stately Lee's Comics mansion, we bring you the Lee's Comics Radio Hour with tonight's special guests, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Cerebus the Aardvark,
1: and yours truly, Wally Fields. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute.
0: Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hister himself. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze and modern age comics and specializing in silver age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading and quick secure shipping backed by a money back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click advanced search to the left of the search bar. Scroll down to sell and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Dennis the Menace, originally a comic trick panel introduced in 1951, expanded into a comic book series, an American television series starring Jay North, an animated television series, and subsequent television series, books, and feature films. There's even a chapter on the British version of Dennis the Menace and Dennis' long-time association with Derek Green and his playground. Pocketful full of Dennis the Menace by Mark Arnold and fun I Did Productions explores the entire history of Dennis the Menace and is available now on Amazon and Sarah Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Hey Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough?
1: Not
2: at all, Mark! Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One,
0: was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey's solo years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and Jail? Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this.
1: Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys,
0: plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover. And this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. I've turned in the final edits for the TTV scrapbook, and it should be released sometime this fall from Bear Manor. I'm also currently working on my Mad and Turtles books, an article about dino writers and Popeye for Back Issue magazine, and more funny stuff for Andrew Goldfarb's Freaky magazine. No news yet on my other books. On today's show, we have the second half of my interview with bassist Charles DeCosa. And here he is. Okay, moving along here. That was really exciting. I
2: was boring myself.
0: Let's get into the meat of why you're on the show. We've actually talked quite a bit about your performing, but I mean, it's like, it's interesting. We had a conversation on Facebook, and this is why I kind of wanted you on the show, about our best and least favorite Beatles songs and things like that. You said you must have seen what whatever it was. You have to tell me whatever it was. But, you know i did with plastic was it an
2: episode with him
0: and you mentioned your favorite songs and then i'm i'm trolling you and saying exactly those songs i hate
2: <laughs> well you you picked the white album right and that is the out of the whole beatles catalog that is just the one that i can't and, and it's hard to say it's hard to say why there are great songs on i mean it's the beatles you know his great song. song. I think the thing that bugs me is that non-Beatle fans always like the White Album. Maybe Ooh. that's what it is, you know, they go, oh, I don't like the Beatles, but I like the White Album, and I'm always Interesting. like, I don't
0: think I've heard that that much.
2: Oh, really? I always did, always <laughs> heard that, and, and but I don't know, it's just, it's it's not, the White Album is certainly not my cup of tea, Um. Well, On I the mean, other hand,
0: to, to me, it's like kind of cliche and pat to say uh, Sgt. Pepper, and yet that tends to make the top of everyone's list. Now, I always had this feeling that uh, Sgt. Pepper Magical Mystery Tour and the assorted singles that came out in 67 are, in a certain sense, all one piece. Like, that should have been their double album. Yeah. And since they didn't do that, My defense of the White Album, I didn't know other people are are saying that. that I can can see see why people would say that. uh, But for me, it seemed like like White Album album is is where it was the last time they really tried. Now people say, well, what about Abbey Road? They were phoning it in in a certain respect. Oh, sacrilege. I didn't realize that when I was younger. But I mean, it's so polished and so perfect. It's almost like it's not even, they weren't even they weren't trying, trying in a certain, certain respect. respect. Whereas White, White Album, was even though it wasn't so, so psychedelic, psychedelic, except for a few spots like Glass Onion Glass, and stuff Glass like that, they still, still kept pushing, pushing how far they could go. They go. And the, yeah, example the example for me is, you know, Revolution Number, number nine, 9, which people you can't, can't stand, but you know, how far can you go with music? I mean, you go to where it's not music anymore. I mean, that's that's the, the farthest you can go. And they finally did. They wanted to test how far they could push the Beatles. Now, Lennon, on his first solo albums with Yoko and stuff, went even further, but you saw the results of that. No more number one. So it's like, you know, it's like, And as soon as he returned back to general pop and rock music, well, he started hitting the top again, so...
2: See for me, I, I don't. It it. For me, the album isn't harmoniously harmonious like some of the other albums, even before or after are. Now you mentioned Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour, and those two float in and out of being in my top two, mm-hmm. three albums. You know, um, but I I kind of saw it as. Like, Let It Be, even the movie, like, people are always like, oh, they're so unhappy, and and then, you know, the new one is going to be so much happier. And But, I mean, I think there was happiness in... I saw happiness in Let It Be, and I loved watching them play. My favorite scene in that whole movie is, like, when they're playing um, Maxwell's Silver Hammer, which ends up on, on um, Abbey Road, but Paul is walking them through the chords and he's singing the melody, but he's going D, D, B, B, E minor, da, right, right. Da, A7. Da, just da, da, D, 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 A. I just love that. Like they're playing and you're seeing the process happen. Right. It's amazing. Um, but my 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 favorite was influenced by my brother. My brother Tony said to me one time, we were talking about and he said, he said the Hard Day's Night album is, he said, it's, it's perfect. It's better than anybody else's best of. Al- Name a best of album that has songs like, you know, um, uh, Hard Day's Night, Tell Me Why, Can't Buy Me Love, um, And I Love Her. If I fell, I mean, just one after the other of just home run, home run, home run, home run. And, and you could, it, it's, it's amazing. And they just crank that stuff out, you know, um, like, um, yeah. and I mean, they were I, just I, a I, bunch I, of kids. They were just a I, bunch of
0: kids. Yeah. yeah. I, guess I guess I look I at, look at look it really, really much, much Not saying you're not looking at it deeper. I mean, mean, that's pretty pretty deep already, just just to say they're the most harmonious, because because I'll I'll admit, White Album is probably their most disharmonious disharmonious (laughs) self. And And it's it's probably probably because I went through so many years just absorbing their solo albums and just loving the solo albums and just saying, this is the obvious peak of what their powers were supposed to be, is to become solo. Not a popular opinion. Right. You know, um, It just seemed like they finally got the freedom to do whatever they want, good or bad, right or wrong, and everything like that. And, you know, sometimes they succeeded, many times they didn't, but it is what it is. But the the beginnings of that was with the White Owl, which is why I kind of liked it for that reason. And if you're talking about harmonious, well, maybe they aren't so harmonious that say all four only play together on 16 tracks. But if you cut it down to just those 16 tracks, they actually are the most harmonious song of all 16, uh, you know, of all 30 tracks.
2: If you cut it down to two tracks and make it a 45, it's even better. Okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, you probably like something on the white album or back in the USSR or something.
2: (laughs) There are, there are good, there are great tracks on it. I mean, I, you know, when when you joke around, when you, you talk about something like this and I talk about the White Album, it's still better than most people's best albums, you know? Yeah. But it's it's just, when I compare it to the other albums, for me, it's it's always at the bottom of the heap. Always. <laughs> it's, it's always last place. Um, and all the other albums kind of float in and out because, like, Plastic picked the Please, Please Me album. And there's just, you know, like when I think about that album, there's just some fantastic tracks on it. Yeah. Um, uh, it, you know, "Meet the Beatles" has fantastic tracks. Uh, th- any of them, but I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why the white album just doesn't yeah. do it for me. And then well, for me, they actually. But, actually, but, yeah. but see, my, my least favorite Beatles song is on the Hard Day's Night album. <laughs> Which is why. Uh, when I get home.
0: Oh yeah, we talked about that too.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, that's it's not it's. out of, you're talking I, about the
0: you're talking about the British version, not the true American yeah, 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 yeah. soundtrack. But you know, right, I mean, right.
2: Yeah. The out of the whole catalog, that that song, every time I hear it, I go.
1: Ooh,
2: ooh. <laughs> like the other ones, I'll listen to and I'll go. I mean, there's great parts to the song yeah. also. The 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 vocal chord in the in the chorus is great um but there's just some i think the the line about i'll love her till the cows come home i just oh that just kills me it's just terrible now
0: i mentioned Uh, babies in black black, and you said said them spikenoids and it's like i I will say why i don't don't like like babies in black black. only Only because... because they insisted on playing it throughout their entire live career once they composed it including through 66 when they should have just uh play something from revolver please you know it's like why are you playing this old one that wasn't even a single it wasn't a hit and yeah okay it's some sort of waltz thing and you think you're being clever with black and white and uh, you know blue and blah blah blah, blah. and uh, you know but that's why I'm like, you know, and I I wasn't really trying to be so thing. I was just like thinking about it. It's like, is there a Beatles song that I really don't like? And I was starting to go through all the records and I was just like looking at them. And I said, you know, I don't really like Babies in Black. <laughs> but,
2: wicked drum track. Uh, just but but wicked wicked good drum track
0: now the one that michael ventrella attacked me on that i really don't like is you know and it's for a different reason is it's all too much and you probably said you like it too and the reason why is i just think it goes on too much i think they could have shaved about a, a, a minute off on it it would have been a sharper tune it just and that's why i always say yeah it lives up to his title it's all too much it just keeps going and going and going And there's even additional additional verses verses. that were in the Yellow Submarine. Uh, It's like, you know, Harrison didn't learn to edit yet. You know, that was my take on that when he was doing those songs because he did those songs for Yellow Submarine prior to White Album, prior to Abbey Road. It was almost like... After he they dumped his stuff on the yellow submarine soundtrack, he said and didn't leave it on pepper or anything else. He said hmm, maybe I should learn how to edit my stuff. You know, Blue Jay Way kind of goes on a little too long too. I think, you know, I'll even uh, admit Piggies goes on too long. That should have been like a wild honey pie. You know?
2: <laughs> I I I really have to disagree with with all too much. I love it. Uh, hmm. I love that they they bring the brass in they've got the feedback guitar and the organ at the beginning and just the 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 production of it. Now, the, see the one for me that I the production one for me that I just kind of don't like and and I'm so sorry Kit. Kit is the sweetest human being on <laughs> earth. And I hate to do this to her yet again and to Ethan because I think it's his mom's favorite song. Yeah. But tomorrow never knows. Uh, people say that that's their favorite Beatles song, and I, I say it's not even a Beatles song.
0: It's not my favorite, but I admire it for what it was trying to do. But I, if you're really going to go for what they were trying to do, I think he succeeded better with I Am The Walrus," which is my favorite Beatles song of all time.
2: Yeah, time. Really? Yeah. See, when I think of my favorite Beatles song, I kind of want the Beatles playing on the song like together like weren't they all playing on that one (laughs) i
0: I mean yes there was king lear on there too and a bunch of other shit but you know
2: (laughs) maybe they are but it's it's pretty whacked out well that's why i I like i like when they're singing harmonies and they're playing together and they're just it's just the the four of them is a band that's I mean, well, but I, everybody's different. I, I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't begrudge anybody for their yeah. their love of any of it. But I, I just for me, and I gravitate towards that kind of thing. The bands that I like, I usually like because I've seen them live or seen clips of them live, and it's them playing. When I think of Bare Naked Ladies, I think of them playing live. Hmm. When I think of NRBQ, I think of them playing live. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I think of the Beatles, I think of them playing as a band live, okay. and even like. Some of the later tracks, you know, on like Let It Be and some of that stuff, it's still them playing as a band, the rooftop, you know. It's them playing, Mm -hmm. even with Billy Preston, it's still those guys playing together, so.
0: And see, I, I, I became a fan in 77, and, you know, music from 67 to 77, although it changed, there's a lot of disco and stuff in 77, it didn't change all that much. I mean, Groups stopped touring as much during the 70s. Even the Stones didn't tour every year. You know, I think they tour more now than they did back then, barring yeah. the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I every mean, you know, kind of bought into the Beatles philosophy. It's like, well, the, this album is our performance. We're not going to perform live anymore. And, you know, Ringo did that for years, and I think that's why his chart action really dis- disintegrated, because he wouldn't go on tour anymore once it. Once it you know until you know, like until the late 80s, 80s, when 80s when his career was done you know on record you know because yeah, yeah when right. he tours like now he plays all the old, old songs, songs because songs you know you didn't have any hits any after that them, but that's okay that's um, okay. My, point um is, my point is is like, is, like that's, that's kind of when I got, I got interested, got interested, interested in, music. in music and so i was so interested in how the performance was on a record i didn't like live out much and I, I thought that the early Beatles, especially if you go back to like Love Me Do, the first time I learned Love Me Do, I said, geez, when is this recorded? 1916 or something? On a 78? It was like horrible. I love it now, but it's, it just seems so antiquated compared to what I was listening to and what I was liking. And, and so I didn't even like 62 to 66, the Red Album. I like 67 to 70, and it's like later. Now yeah, I appreciate you know, it and I appreciate, you know, I appreciate things like hard days, hard days Night and stuff, night, stuff, like, that. stuff like that. But I, I, remember, I remember I used right. to not. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, and I can understand that. You know, we maybe we're coming at it from two different places, you know. Mm-hmm. I I just when I think of all the bands that I like, I a lot of times they're quartets and a lot of times they're or quartets or quintets and they they come close to that beatly even kiss. I would yeah. say, you know, in a lot of ways, and I'm not saying that they wrote like the Beatles or you know, but they they certainly tried to follow the pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I like I like live albums if the band is really good. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, Kiss. I think the, that was the first. Alive 2 was the first like, live album I ever got into. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and I'll admit that's a good, it's, it's a good album. I'm not I'm the not hugest Kiss fan, but I even <laughs> I like that album.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, because it sounds pretty... When you go back and listen to it now, you go, well, how can Paul Stanley be singing 16 times on a song... You know, like at the same time. Oh, maybe they went into the studio and did some overdubbing on this.
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't but, even thinking about that. I just yeah, thought I just, it, uh, it's yeah. a decent-sounding live album. Live album.
2: There's overdubs
0: oh, yeah. on Wings Over America, but I still think that's McCartney's best, best live, live album. album so, Dude,
2: yeah, <laughs> I, I I like what was it? Um, was it Eddie Kramer, who did the Kiss out al- the Kiss Alive album? Yeah, I'm not sure. And he said, he said that you know they were trying to capture. They were trying to capture the spirit of what it was like to go to a KISS concert, not capture the mistakes that were made during the single KISS concert. You know, So yeah. when yeah. they do the overdubs and stuff, you still get that feeling of being there, but they bolstered the recording, they bolstered the, the crowd noise and everything else.
0: Since you tend to like live albums more, what do you feel is your favorite live album? And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be rock
2: and roll, but it can be. Probably still to this day, it's, I, I, I think it's the album Digging, Digging Uncle Q by NRBQ. Hmm. Uh, that was the album that got me into the band. And oddly enough, it got me into the band... Like, most of the album I didn't understand. There were just stuff on it I I didn't understand. I I heard it, and I'm like, this is terrible. And then towards the end of the album, they do Just the Way You Are by Billy Joel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this sounds great. Which I learned later, they they used to – so the band – and I don't know if you know much about those guys. They were in I, I, a new they know England...
0: little about them and that's what I was gonna ask you about too is why the fascination with them.
2: Uh so they were mostly based out of New England yeah. and they they're absolutely fearless. There aren't many bands that can go play the Newport Jazz Festival mm-hmm. and play jazz like the jazz players and then turn around and play at the Grand Old Opry. And play country like the country players. Um, if you listen to Bonnie Raitt ever talk about them, yeah. every time she's talking about them, you can hear her voice crack yeah. because she tears up a little bit talking <laughs> about how much she loves the band yeah. and um, Elvis Costello and Keith Richards and even Paul McCartney is a is a is a Q fan. Yeah. Um, but i was saying that particular album so one thing they used to do this was in the early 80s i guess uh karaoke was becoming popular <laughs> so just as a goof they would put the instruments down and they would play a karaoke track and they would have these big uh like pieces of paper with the words to the song written on it and mm-hmm. they would crowd around the microphone and take turns singing the song well just the way you are was one of those karaoke tracks Hmm. so it wasn't even them playing but i knew the song
0: right right
2: so i got into it the 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 keyboard player terry adams um Hmm. he is a monk devotee so he 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 plays rock and roll like Thelonious monk played jazz Hmm. it's very far out there and you think (laughs) he's just banging on the piano with no rhyme or reason (laughs) but the scary part is is if you listen to it enough eventually that there's a click Uh and you start to hear it the way he's playing it you start to hear the voice his voice on the piano and it it it, the world that world opens up to you and you 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 start to listen to other piano players and you get bored because you know where it's going with yes. him, you have no idea where that's going. And, and Joey, the bass player, um, let, let me give you an idea. Joey played on Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. In the movie, he played with Eric Clapton. So Eric Clapton said, why don't you come and do some of the nights for me for 24 nights? <laughs> so Joey flew to um, Royal Albert Hall and played with Eric Clapton. While he was there, Wicks from Paul McCartney's band caught wind that he was going to be there. And Wicks is an NRBQ fan. Mm-hmm. So Wicks called Paul and said, why don't we have Joey over to play with us? Mm-hmm. So while he was at Royal Albert Hall, he got a call and said, hey, you want to come over and play with Paul and his band? Because Hamish wasn't in town. They're mm-hmm. so like, you want, to, you want to play in the studio with Paul McCartney and his band? So he went over and played with Paul. <laughs> and this is just like a a week of the guy's life, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's just that kind of bass player. everybody knows him and loves him
1: yeah.
2: um and then he was one of he was on the short list to replace um Wyman right when Wyman left the stones, and Richards really wanted him in the band, and so did Ronnie wood
1: mm-hmm.
2: but Mick Jagger didn't want somebody who played like, uh, Bill Wyman. And so they went with, um, Daryl, Daryl. Daryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They went with him. Who's, who's obviously fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but Joey was, I think Joey was on the short list. I mean, certainly Mm. Keith wanted him in the band.
0: Well, definitely, if definitely the, if he was in that "Hail, Hail, Rock and roll, and roll." Didn't Keith put that band together, <laughs> together? Yep. Chick Checkberry? I
2: thought so. Yeah, and Steve, Steve Jordan got the gig first, and mm. Keith said, "Well, who should we get for bass?" Yeah. And Steve said, "You gotta come check out Joey Spampanato. So Keith Richards and Steve Jordan went to the bottom line mm. in New York to see NRBQ, mm. and uh, and they they hired Joey for that for the movie. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Tommy Ardolino on drums is like it, obvious, obviously a, a, a devoted Ringo fan, but so much more. And Big Al Anderson, if you know anything about Big Al Anderson, um, singer-songwriter who was in the band during their, the classic period, and then went on to Nashville, and he's written for everybody. I mean, just, he's a, he's a legend, he's, he's a Nashville legend. So, so what's what's
0: considered, what's considered the, classic the classic
2: period? Uh, like seventy four ish to ninety four. Okay. Um, they played New Year's Eve ninety four, and the band, the band was known for, um, uh, experimenting with things other than music. Uh, <laughs> So I, I think Big Al had to leave the road cause he needed to clean, he needed to get clean. Mm-hmm. And the other guys ended up getting, getting everybody got cleaned up. The, the funny thing is, is when I listen to the recordings of those guys, mm-hmm. you, you, listen, you listen to the live tracks from that time period. And, and I just don't ever feel like, you know, you can hear the, the drug influence and in people's playing and it becomes not good Mm-hmm. I, I never heard it with them. Those guys yeah. just were always on top of their game, and and I I love them. I I I love that band.
0: I'll have to investigate further. The first time I ever heard about them, uh, I had a roommate that listened to everything, and uh, he mentioned them in the late '80s, some point. And I don't know, he it, 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 it played some things for me. he played a lot of different things for me, and I yeah, it was good, you know. But I didn't jump into it. I was jumping into so many things. I mean, it's like I, I'm a huge Zappa fan. I'm a huge, you know, whatever, you know. And it's like, uh, you know, there's just so many things. And so it's really hard for me to continue to jump into, you know, because I'm the type, I don't know if you're this way, if I suddenly like a group, I have to have everything they've ever recorded. I can't just say, "Oh, let me just buy this." Stuff.
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> right now for me, that's a band called McFly. Hmm. Have you ever heard I of McFly? Think I've heard of them. No. So British, British band from the early two thousands, okay. and uh, that's exactly how how I am too. Like,
0: wait a minute, I think a friend of mine talked about them, and they were going. Is this the band that? It's big in Europe, and they were going to do their first American tour, and then COVID hit, and they didn't? Or am I thinking no, something,
2: something? No, because okay. they, they, I think the, the band disbanded around, like, 2013. Okay, so it's a different band. Later got back together. Okay. They were gigantic in England. They didn't really hit over here. Yeah. yeah. But when you listen to a lot of the music, when I hear it, I'm like, this is, it's, um. are you familiar with Jellyfish?
0: Yeah, yeah, like it.
2: So, it's like jellyfish, but a little happier and a little poppier. Happier? You know? <laughs> yeah, I. well, if you really listen to the Belly Button album and you read yeah. the lyrics, uh-huh. there's some pretty, they, they go pretty dark.
0: Okay, I mean, I have that album. I didn't think it was that dark, but okay. Maybe oh, I'll wait. read the lyrics. Okay.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, go read the lyrics. Yeah, it, 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 they go pretty dark. You know, Baby... Um, Baby's Coming Back is pretty lighthearted, and I would say a lot of the McFly stuff is kind of along that lines. Okay. But you know, um, there, there's there's some pretty dark stuff on that Jellyfish. There's, it's like it, like Bare Naked Ladies. Bare Naked Ladies. When you yeah. listen to some of those well, songs, pretty- there's they can be so dark, and you yeah. but you listen to it and you're like, it's so poppy.
0: Yeah. Okay. I get that. Yeah. I I just thought they were playing dark as well, and I was like, you know, it's like, because. Yeah, I've told you. Oh, I said it on Facebook. I'm not really a lyrics person, so I'll get into something how a tune sounds, and then you'll say, "You know that's talking about death and dismemberment?" I didn't know
2: that. You know, because it's like. Yeah, I know, and and that's how that's how bare naked ladies get you. You start singing along to the songs, and you're like, "Well, wait a minute now, this song is about suicide." Yeah, wait, it's about there's. They, they've they got um, just a lot of the songs happen to be like in with Bare and Ladies, a lot of the songs are about Ed Robertson's brother who died and mm. him like Ed feels like he's coming back and haunting him. So mm. a lot of the songs are about his dead brother haunting him. And you're like, <laughs> oh God, this is so so weird, but it's so poppy. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like that other song. I don't know if you're familiar with it. That's something called Timothy. Timothy. Yeah. yeah. No. It's about cannibals. It's written by, um, I forgot the group name they use, but the song's called Timothy. Look it up. And it's about cannibalism. And it's written by Rupert Holmes, the same guy who did the Pina Colada song later on.
2: <laughs> oh, Okay.
0: Yeah, and he's written a lot of stuff, but those are like the two main things he's known for. And if you ever listen to Gilbert Gottfried's show, his podcast, he's been on there a couple of times, and they've talked about these songs and stuff like
2: that. I, I love Gilbert and Frank.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh. so, but anyway, look at it up. I, it's not by Rupert Holmes, but it's written by him, but it's it's a different name. But the song's called Timothy, so you can probably just find it that way. But listen to the lyrics, and you go, oh my God, this poppy song's about cannibalism.
2: <laughs> What, and that's like, um, Excitable Boy by, uh, by, um, Warren Zevon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Zevon's the listen,
1: same. Come, oh my gosh. from, listen from to the same words. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Dug up her grave and built a cage with her bones. Yeah. I mean, it's really, <laughs> really, really freaking dark, but the well, music's. Yeah. Well, there's really this awesome. other,
0: it's more of a novelty, song, a novelty song, song, but still it, still it can be poppy. poppy so is so uh, I want uh, my baby, baby bag. bag. And, yeah, uh, look that up. Black Ribs? No, it's just, I, yeah, it was long before baby back. Yeah, I want my baby back. And uh, you, you hear this shoveling sound. And what he's doing is he's digging her out of her grave. And then he gets in the grave and you hear oh, And then the last
2: verse,
1: I got my baby
2: back. <laughs> I got to check that out. I don't know if I know that one.
0: Yeah, it's called I want my baby back. I, got, so I want my Timothy? baby back, but I don't know who did it off the top of my head. Timothy?
2: Timothy? And I want my baby back. Yeah,
0: yeah. Those are two to look up on YouTube.
2: <laughs> so this. Is, so
0: I do like the darker things, too.
2: <laughs> we got to do another panel show where we talk about all these poppy dark songs. Yeah. That would yeah. be fun. We could
0: do that. Yeah. I don't know if Plastic's <laughs> ever heard of. Plastic's everything's bananas. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I don't know how much time we have because it's like I usually can kind of gauge it. Uh, so... Uh, I would say, is there anything else we should talk about before we wrap it up?
2: Well, we didn't talk about the monkeys at all. Do you plan on going to the uh, to the final final tour farewell tour?
0: Um, they say with a big sigh, I live in Oregon. There are no Oregon dates. Oh, really? So if I go to one, I have to go all the way to San Jose, which is ironically where I'm going next week, but not for the monkeys concert. So, but that's an eleven-hour drive. So it's like you know, going the other way, I think they're playing Seattle, I think, you know, and that's like a five-hour drive, so I'm like, "Mm," you know, and it's not like I have to see them, I mean, oh, that's kind of sacrilege, it's like, oh, I should see them and support them on the final tour, and da-da-da-da, I've seen them all together and separately, the only thing I've never seen, uh, thanks Fred, you lucky dog, is all four together, (laughs) but I've seen the two two most popular combinations of the the three three. and uh uh, you know each one solo solo, so i mean it's and and uh, i saw um mickey and uh um michael Michael at the head 50th anniversary anniversary in in la in 2018 so uh at least i saw that you know (laughs) know, but you know
2: they're playing here in orlando on sunday yeah and i've never seen mike I saw, really? we, oh. you know, we saw, we used to see Davey at the Epcot, uh, flower power every year. He plays, he used to play Epcot every year and he lived in Florida mm-hmm. and I, 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 what a shame, you know, he, he passed so, so young, Right. you know, uh, cause I know people, he used to go, he must've lived in like either Stewart or. Palm Beach down in that area yeah. because when they would do certain like weekend festivals in like Fort Pierce, mm-hmm. people would say, people I know would say, oh yeah, I saw Davy Jones. He was, he was there. Yeah. yeah. So he would be around that area. Um, saw Mickey quite a few times and I got to see the three. I got to see Peter, Mickey and Davy together in North Carolina mm-hmm. in 2001. That was one of the few uh, really good memories other than eating Bojangles. One of the really good memories of North Carolina was getting to see the three monkeys, Mm -hmm. but they're playing here this Sunday. And this is, this is my internal struggle as a parent. Uh, I, I, I recently had to walk away from a few of the bands that I, I was working with because my kids soccer schedule just overtook our lives. Right. And I'm like, well, I've just got to walk away for a little bit, not play, and I'll go back to it, you know, when, when they're not playing as much soccer. Well, this Sunday is a, my daughter's game, and it's the Monkeys concert. <laughs> so wow. like, my, my wife and I are still, like, negotiating, going, okay, how do we do this? How do we be in two places at once? But mm-hmm. we can't, you know, so I, I don't know what to do. What do I is do?
0: That, is that the only Florida
2: location they're playing? Yeah, no. as far as I know.
0: Yeah, because they're saying, can you travel? You know, there's something, if there's another Florida location. Something like
2: I, I think they were going to do Georgia, and I think that the Georgia date got pulled out from under. Yeah, I know a few of them,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, not by yeah. their yeah. doing. Um, See, for me, I've
0: seen uh, the Mickey, Davey, Peter uh, configuration. I know I saw him twice. I seem to think I saw him three times, but I know – first time in 87 and then that um, must
2: have been great oh yeah that must have been great weird
0: al was the opening act
2: (laughs) even better al puts on a great show yeah
0: and i've seen him a couple times separately too um michael i almost saw then but i chickened out well i didn't chicken out i was just mad at him (laughs) because in 87 he went on a solo tour and his and tickets cost more than the Three Monkeys, and it just pissed me off that he, as a solo artist, cost more. Now, uh, <laughs> I did eventually see him about 10 years ago, I think. Um, now, the other three is still uh, Peter and uh, Mickey, but with Michael this time. When they got together in 2013, I think it was 2013, yeah, uh, first time. That was a no-brainer. I had to see him, and I didn't have any commitments like that. But I saw him. And so that's the last time I saw him three. And amazingly, in that space of like a year, I saw each one of them separately and that trio. I saw Davy at an autograph show. It wasn't really a concert, but at an autograph show in Hollywood two weeks before he passed away. <laughs>
2: wow.
0: I, I've said this story before um, when I saw him in the middle of February of uh, 20. Twelve, um, I, I said, if they had, had bets on who would be dead by the end, end of this end month, this uh, month uh, I doubt anyway would pick Davy Jones. Jones, you know, because they had um, Martin Landau, who was in Mission Impossible, he was getting pretty elderly, he was in his late eighties at the time, or something like that, and they had um, uh, what's her name, uh, Carla Lemley, who was 105 at that show. Wow. She outlived Davy too, by right, about two years, and it's like, geez, <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's what was so strange about that show, because Davy was out there, and he had a guitar that looked very similar to the one over your left shoulder, um, just uh, strumming away, he could play, you know, it's just, you know, you never thought of Davy as a guitarist, but he could play, and he just sang just a couple tunes, you know, this whatever anybody was saying, this is the end of this show, when, you know, the crowd is kind of, Spinning out, and so he could so afford to just kind of be baby you know, and oh. it was really cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I went to see him because I almost didn't go see him. He said, yeah, I've seen Davy in concert, but my friend Greg, he says yeah, but you've never gone to him face to face, and you didn't get his autograph. Again. True, I don't, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's, <was> <laughs> and I'm glad I did. Now, in retrospect.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the shows he did it at. Epcot were great you know we used to go to the American Pavilion and he'd be playing playing there and you could get good seats and yeah. we would just stay the whole day and drink a few beers and watch Davy Jones it was yeah. it was cool
0: well you know we're talking about live albums we like um, you know Davy live I think is one of the best live albums group or solo of monkeys if you get the one it says a purple cover and it shows like Davy behind the mic kind of leaning into it like that that's the cover that, that is he you know, has he like has the like funniest stage scene. banter i mean it's all him you know no, 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 no but he no, plays like everything it seems like, sings like every song, song like you, know, all all ones, ones, you know even all the mickey ones you know and it's all like all it's it's just like you know for me it's like just perfection on a live album just how he connects with the audience
2: i'll have to check it out you know i and i i know monkeys fans get mad at me when i say say this but i i you know, I've seen the guys live and and they were good shows but I never really like I, I never gravitated to their to any of the live monkeys albums yeah. And, yeah. and especially when it was not, oddly enough when it was those guys playing live <laughs> you know when it was like Mickey on drums and and Mike and and Peter yeah. just just them yeah. yeah I really didn't like it yeah, well, I'll tell I you never... the truth.
0: Um, on Monkeys live albums, the best one, honestly, is the one that just came out, the Mike and Mickey uh, show. They sing it great. Uh, Mike is still playing because, unfortunately, on this current tour, he's just well, Mike's singing. a
2: great guitar player. I don't mean to take anything away from Mike. And, and Mickey did a fine job. Yeah, but, I mean, but I if just... you
0: want a good live album for the Monkeys, get that one and then get the Davey live. I mean, and then some of Peter's live albums, you know, he's with... Uh, Uh, shoe sweet blues are pretty good he doesn't do too many monkeys tunes but i mean it's a different animal you're talking about folk and that type of stuff you know so you know
2: that the band that they had probably the band that you saw in 87 is probably the same band that played uh mgbgt yeah. the live recording yeah. uh, on the I think 86
0: and 87 were the same band it's just yeah. I didn't see him in 86 just because it was so crazy that year I just said I'm not even going to bother and I didn't know if I was that committed of a monkeys fan because my thought was even though I had their albums I was saying oh it's only three of them and it's like I want to see all four and you know maybe michael and then michael did join them on stage, on stage at the greek, the greek that one show and, show, and i said right hmm, maybe he will tour next year well he didn't but i said yeah. i'll see the monkeys i like the monkeys like them. screw it
2: <laughs> yeah that that live song and i think peter's playing banjo on that if i remember right yeah. that you know that's yeah. a good yeah. recording I, yeah. I when they were playing and they had the full backing band yeah i, I could see that stuff being really yeah. good and especially anything they did off of the uh good times album yeah, I'm sure live, you know, any yeah. of those live like, recordings like I would probably say those, probably
0: the weakest live album is probably the 67 one because it is just the band and although they're good, they're not great and there's a lot of screaming, you know. So it's it's almost like the Beatles of Hollywood Bowl, even though I like Beatles of Hollywood Bowl better, you know, but <laughs>
2: but, but you know what's fantastic is when they did was it the Johnny Cash show? Mhm. And no. they did What'd they do? Was it some of Shelly's Blues?
0: Yeah, well, well, people have said who've seen it, the 69 tour that had Mickey Davey and Michael in it was a really good show. And I wish, maybe there aren't any good recordings. I wish there was a live recording of it released. You know, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's like... I thought I knew whether there is, but, you know, people say, oh, yeah, there's kind of bad recordings of this and that and the other. And, granted, it was at a time where nobody cared about the monkey very much, so maybe they didn't record it.
2: Well, that, that I know that TV appearance where Mike is playing guitar and the three of them are singing. Yeah. That's really good. Like, I could listen to a whole show yeah. of just that, yeah. you know. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um...
0: Then my favorite live album of all time is still The Who Live at Leeds the full deluxe version. So if you like that, all right, we're in agreement on something. You like So it.
2: you're a Who fan, huh?
0: Yes, I am. But uh, yeah. I would say okay. that's even better that you know, I'm I'm more of a studio person, but I would say that album, that live album is probably better than any other studio albums,
2: you know. So so maybe you can explain something to me. Okay. Why does history seem to favor Led Zeppelin over The Who?
0: i think it boils boils down to to one word word. humor now i love love my musical acts acts, and i'll ask you this about about nrbq do they have a sense of humor
2: they have yes
0: okay then i'll probably like them me,
2: gigantic sense of, To me, they, it's
0: like, what made me a Beatles fan wasn't that they played well, that they had the gar- harmonies, the group, they composed great songs, is because they could do silly, goofy things like the Christmas records and you know my name, look up the number. Now, some people hate that stuff, but to me, that makes them more real. That's part of the reason why here's somebody I don't like and so people adore, is like Bruce Springsteen. Boring. He doesn't seem to have a sense of humor. The only time I ever heard of anything funny from him is his live version of Santa Claus is coming to town, and I go, "Yeah, that's pretty funny, you know, for him, you
2: know." <laughs> but, right.
0: Um, I think that's what it is. Is that the Who gets a little goofy at times, you know, and that it and people lose respect. That's why they don't like the monkeys. They they get a little goofy at times, you know. And the Who, it's the Who sell out. The Who sell out is like a monkeys album. The monkeys could have done that easily if they had thought right. of that idea. Um when, when the who got, who got more serious, serious you know, people, took, people them took them seriously, seriously, but you know, most hardcore, most hardcore fans say, "Oh, I can't listen call to call anything they before Tommy because call that, call that was too silly. silly." You know, and whereas Led Zeppelin generally unless you're listening to something like The Crunge or something like that, or maybe Hot Dog or something like that, generally pretty straight stuff. No silliness in fact they get pretty dark in their straight stuff sometimes too
2: for me pound for pound the who were better musicians better singer better songwriter better performers there's just i i don't i don't understand why history looks so favorably on led zeppelin and seems to almost ignore the Who yeah. when I just think that the Who were a better band. I mean yeah. Yeah. I mean Daltry versus Plant, give yeah. me a yeah. break. Yeah. Uh Ant Whistle versus John Paul Jones. Now you know John Paul Jones was a good musician, but and Whistle maybe this had
0: something to, something to do with maybe it. Maybe it's because they didn't break up when they should have. Maybe. You know, like when Keith Moon died, they should have done like Led Zeppelin did when Bonham died. We're now done. do you know
2: do you know who was vying for the drum seat when Keith Moon died? Uh, it was a couple of people, but Bonham was Oh,
0: it was Phil uh, 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 Collins.
1: Phil Collins. I thought, okay, I thought you were going to say
0: Bonham.
2: That, <laughs> he wanted that seat desperately. Yeah. And, uh, no. Yeah. No. But, he. I mean, he. I think he did get to play with him, and he was yeah. wicked Uncle Ernie in some of the live yeah. – live tommy show yeah they've him a few bones
0: and he hasn't suffered career-wise so I, i'm not too i, I don't shed you many you tears for old phil collins he's been all all everywhere. All he's everywhere. everywhere he was in hard no. days hard night. night he he was he was in <laughs> both live aids on the uh, co- both continents i mean he's done it all you know so i don't shed many tears for phil collins' career
2: no no <laughs> he, was
0: I, on, uh, he was uncredited on all things must pass Three times. The original time, the reissue, and the current reissue. They still haven't mentioned that he was on that
2: record. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. He plays drums on it? Yeah. I I don't remember which track,
0: but he says he's on it, and George Harrison said he would correct it when he reissued it, and he didn't. And then when they did the recent reissue, it's still not listed, so (laughs) either Phil Collins is lying or,
2: if you haven't seen it, you got to see where <laughs> Phil Collins talks about meeting Paul McCartney and how angry Phil Collins got, because Paul was kind of belittling him a little bit. But he, <laughs> Paul, Paul was ribbing him. Yeah. You know, like, I think Phil Collins asked Paul for his autograph. Yeah. And Paul was like, oh, Phil, oh, are you a Beatles fan? Are you? And he's just <laughs> like, and and Phil Collins got all ticked off about it. You yeah. know, and he's like, Paul McCartney's a jerk. <laughs>
0: get over it Phil
2: that's great it's,
0: actually not if Paul said awesome. that I would kiss his hand or something I would say that's funny I think you know oh but trying looks fine
2: but you you asked me if, if NRBQ has a sense of humor
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, back with the classic lineup they did a uh, they used to do a bit in their show called the magic box and they had a box that they would pass around the audience and the audience would put song requests in it and they would pull out the request and no matter what was on the page you know piece paper they had to play it and if you can find live recordings of some of those bits yeah you know i mean sometimes they would pull out something that was uh you know obscure
0: was it like uh you know in carson or they did stump the stump band all the time
1: yeah
0: they would because half the time people would suggest something that nobody's ever
1: heard of
2: <laughs> they would do stuff like yes i'm ready uh and big al had to sing you know the the female part way up there um there's one where okay. they do tell me what you see by the beatles hmm. And uh, it's, it's hysterical, because they don't know it. You know, maybe, like maybe one or two of them will know it, and they start yeah. playing it right. But it, it all disintegrates pretty yeah. quickly. But it's, it's hysterical.
0: But, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, uh, you talk about, like, your ultimate comedy band. We mentioned Weird Al. He's had the same players since he started. And he's always going to be considered a novelty act doing song parodies, even though he's much more... Like, here's one to check out if you haven't. Um, the George Harrison Tribute Concert. And uh, Weird Al does a straight live version of What Is Life. And he sings his heart out. and Perfect. No humor, just straight. And he's all, what is that? You know, and he's just singing it. And it's like, wow, you know.
2: That's awesome. I'm going to definitely check that out. That
0: one's on YouTube, too. so he's
2: He's a fantastic musician. And when I saw him live... It took about 3 songs for me to convince myself that he was singing live cuz yeah, he was yeah. that good. Yeah. It was just spot on and I and I'm looking I'm watching it and I'm going I'm looking at my wife and I'm going I don't know. I don't think he's really singing that cuz it's just <laughs> too perfect. Yeah. And then by the third song I heard some waver and I went no that's that's live yeah. and the, the he works his rear end off on stage i mean he gets yeah. in all the costumes and yeah. and just and the audience knows every like yeah. response yeah. and oh it's so much fun Absolutely. weird Al's and i was a fan of Al's for years and years decades before i went to a show mm. so when i went i was i was blown away it was it was awesome
0: I went well. I would have gone separately, but yeah, it just happened. He was opening act for the monkeys, but I had already known that he had graduated from just being a simple accordion player on stage to actually doing like song parodies. And what really attracted me is he started, he did parodies he didn't do on record because either he didn't get permission, he likes to get permission from people and stuff like that. And so you know, you're talking about Led Zeppelin. He did uh, like lot of lunch and uh, uh, I want to throw up on you instead of I want to make love to you, you know, whatever. But his,
2: his style parodies, when he gets away oh, yeah. from the actual song parodies, some of those are just oh, yeah. you know, really, really good. Uh, one of my favorites is um, One More Minute with You. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I don't think that's a song parody, that's a style parody. Like Yeah. No, it's it... not
0: like a doo wop or whatever. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: Just like um Dare to be stupid is a style parody of Devo and yeah. it's not it's not That a song one's closer
0: parody. because it's trying to be a style parody because he did he basically does three types of songs a straight parody, the style parody, like and then just original compositions that he's done you know, over the years too. That aren't that... necessarily a parody, but I mean they're competently composed and just,
2: you know, you know, Melanie is a great song and it's it yeah. it had to have been influenced by uh some of Warren Zevon's stuff because it's 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 very similar in tone. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's got this nice melodic song, beautiful, right. but then the lyrics are just you know, pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty whacked up
1: you know.
0: Well at first I was like probably like everybody else, you know, you just like the parodies, you know, like he it or whatever, you know, and then and I got his first or second album, and he did this record called Got a Boogie, which, you know, and I said, was this a parody of? I don't like it. You know, that was my first initial knee-jerk reaction. And then I listened to it, and then he goes, got a boogie. And then he goes, got a boogie on my finger, and I can't shake it off. And And I bust it up. And then he and then went one step further and did just this crazy thing called Mr. Prump and the Iron Lung, which has nothing to do with any song styling or parody, it's just the funny songs. And oh my god, the first time I heard it I was really trying I had to keep from wetting my pants, I was laughing so hard.
2: I'll have to check like these that's on the first album yeah
0: i don't even think he sings any of these live anymore but it's on the very first album it's a very accordion bass, but you know it's it's still and then the big hit on that record album was ricky with the parody of mickey it's like i love lucy and then he did i love rocky road those are the big hits you know but you know the the stuff that isn't hits by weird al is very worthy of investigation because you go wow you know and And then when he does polka medleys, which he does on pretty much every one of his albums, you know, they're incredible because he'll do like um, Rolling Stones polka medley and it's all the Stones hits and then he'll do like his most recent one, he did the Hamilton polka and... If you haven't seen Hamilton, it doesn't make much sense, which is the first time I heard it. Then I finally saw Hamilton and then re-listened to it. I go, this is incredibly funny. So you have to kind of know it to the original source. Did you
2: see a touring show of it? or did you get a- No, I saw or?
0: it just on uh, Disney Plus <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, because they had it free. <laughs> and I said, all right, let's see what all the hubbub's about. And I go, huh. Ah. I actually, I actually liked it liked it's not it. Too, it's
2: bad, too bad you know so, so my daughter is a gigantic hamilton fan yeah. i have not seen it yet okay. but the person who does sound for hamilton who won the grammy for sound for them is uh justin Rathbin. oh okay who okay. i went to high school with and he, we were he was in my band in high school yeah. yeah so like we were good buddies in high school he was a year year before one year before me I th- or one year behind me, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then I found out that he was running sound and, and, you know, the sound engineer for Hamilton and, hmm. and uh, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. I wasn't expecting to like it, but my sister was raving about it. She goes, it's actually better than you thought. You'll like it. And I go, really? Okay. And so she came to visit once, uh, actually during the height of the pandemic, but nothing happened. Um, and uh, we had Disney Plus, and it was free. And I said, "Well, I was just going to watch it. Let's watch it." And she, her daughter, had already seen it. My niece has already seen it like ten times. And she's like, uh, memorized all the lyrics, and so she's singing along, which oh, yeah. I didn't mind, you know. But it's like. I hate to say this, but I actually really liked it. I was like, wow, you know, to my sister, you know, it's like, but it was, it was better than I expected. I wasn't expecting it to be the worst thing ever. I was just expecting it to be, huh, this is another trendy thing that people like and it's, it's okay. But it's actually really good. And it, you know, has interesting characters and interesting songs. And
2: okay. I have to, I have to check it out. I, my, my daughter is one of those who walks around the house singing, all the lyrics to it mm-hmm. and uh and so i've probably heard all the songs yeah. at least through her so,
0: so then, then when you're done listen to weird al hamilton vocal which is only available <laughs> online uh you never put a record out of it but then you go ah oh, makes sense now <laughs> you know? i'll
2: definitely i'll definitely check that out all
0: right you'll have to listen to all this whole show over again to, to <laughs> play back all the songs timothy, yeah, timothy and
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> okay I want my baby back, and Hamilton told There you go. go. And And, um, uh, let's see what else. else. So, well, Well, let's just wrap it up. I mean, I can have you on the show again. This is fun. Um, But uh, thank
2: you, thank you. You, It's always wonderful being on any of those shows that we do together. I try to make uh, it funny. (laughs) When you're on it, you you have a great sense of humor. You are wonderful at being in the joke. And sometimes when the tables are turned on you, like when Charles Rosen, turns the tables on you, you have, you, you handle it so well. Right. and I, I've always appreciated that about you. Um, <laughs> um, I really have, because not everybody can do that yeah. and you do it. And, and cause you understand that it's, a, it's all in great fun and done with great love. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for having me on your show and, sure. and i uh, I'm happy to know you. I'm I, I'm sorry that it took a worldwide pandemic for us to know each other. Hey, but nice. I'm I'm glad it I'm glad we do.
0: Okay. Well to wrap things up, I always do this with every guest. Um just uh how do people get a hold of you? Uh any concerts to plug, any appearances to plug, soccer games to plug, any websites to plug, anything to buy. <laughs> if you don't have anything, that's fine.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm I'm Reevaluating everything right now i was a part of a few projects that i i thought might go somewhere and then it turns out that they're going somewhere without me um but that's not a bad thing a a lot of them are just things that i that look like they're going to turn into things that are bigger than that i could be a part of you know because because i have a family here in florida i can't tour for weeks or months at a time um you can always go check out the band Beetlebeat if you're in Orlando or if you're go online check out beetlebeat uh, Beat, dot com or find them on facebook uh, and you'll see during the pandemic we did concerts from my house so if you like Beatles music, you can throw it on and listen to four more guys playing beatles music hey. uh, um but the the guys I work with are they're top notch and, and i i I love working with them I'm going to miss working with them over the next few months but you never know what'll happen. I just had to take a step back at this point. Right. I'm hoping to do more stuff like this where I'm doing online collaborations. Yeah. And a few things just until my kid's soccer schedule gets right, you know right, right. under control and then I'll, I'll hopefully be back out there. But right now it's it you have to you have to they're only going to be this age once. So I I got to be around for it. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Right. <laughs> But, how, uh, old they, just, how old are they,
2: since you've mentioned? Uh, I've got, my daughter is 12, my son is 8, and my other son is 6. Okay, so right in the so frame, yeah. <laughs> they, they're, all three of them are in the school band, uh, French horn, trumpet, and percussion. Oops. All three of them are playing soccer. Two of them are in choir, and the third one will probably join the choir by the end of the year. Since,
0: so, since TV, show, TV show The Dakota Family? family.
2: Well, I, I, I did try and con my wife into having one more. I'm like, a quartet. We could have a quartet. So we're going to have to pull a cousin in, All cousin right. Oliver or something, bring them in to play right. uh, the other instrument. But they, I, I'm i hoping they get to the point where they're like, where I try to go in and play with them, and they're like, no, Dad, you g- go. We're playing. Go, you know. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for that day. I, I I can't wait to see it. All right.
0: Well, thank you, Charles, for being my special guest this week on Fun Ideas Podcast. It was a blast. We'll do it again, and we'll get more fights about who, what songs are the best. But uh, you I'll know check what? out our BBQ, we'll and uh, you check out the things I told you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Definitely. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Charles DeCosa, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 134 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Danny Salazzi of the characters, and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2021, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you, and good night.